Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Welcome to 100 Yards Football. Today, we're going to have the University of Oklahoma team preview as we're doing our college football team previews throughout the season. If you like the video today, please come in and share it. I'm your host, Vincent Turner. Special thanks to my producer today, Mr. for Mr. Logan Landers, for making it happen. Today, I got a gentleman. He has a podcast, Hall of Fame of College Football. It's one of the hottest podcasters in the Midwest, in the Southwest. This gentleman is wrote for the Fort Worth Times. So he's a guy that knows all about college football. Very talented. Coming to us live out of Hobbs, New Mexico. My man, Mr. Jason Watkins. So if you like the video today, please come in and share it. Mr. Watkins, tell us about this premier program in college football, the Oklahoma Sooners. What happened with them last season under Brent Venables? They went six and seven in a program mm-hmm. that's got a lot of history. Uh, first of all, I just wanted to say thank you, Vincent, for having me on the show. A big fan of your show for a long time. I appreciate, appreciate you having me on to talk about it. Uh, this Oklahoma program uh, stumbled a bit this past season, uh, going six and seven, as you said. It was, I, I think, a lot of the narrative that, that's been out there. You know, the, I mean, it's it's been repeated over and over throughout the national media. Was that <clears throat> there was a lot of talent there? The truth is, there there was a lot of talent that was stripped from the program when Lincoln Riley left uh, after that loss in the Bedlam game. Uh, the last game of the season there in 2021. What's happened since then, though, with Brent Venables coming in, we're talking about a coach that has been a part of three national championship uh, programs. The first one at Oklahoma, of course, in 2000, also had them in 2016 and uh, 2020, I believe, there at Clemson. Uh, And putting together amazing defenses, guys that are going to the first round of the NFL draft year after year. Uh, He comes back to basically rebuild the reputation of OU on the defensive side of the ball. We all know of Oklahoma for the past really 10, 12 years, and even beyond that as an offensive program. Um, You know, you've had Heisman Trophy winner Sam Bradford, uh, Baker Mayfield, along with Kyler Murray, you know, and then you had a, a Heisman finalist uh, in, obviously in, um, oh my gosh, <laughs> uh, our boy from the, from the, uh, from the Eagles. Uh, Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts, come on, man, I just lost my, my train of thought there for a second. I'm sorry about that. But we know them as an offensive, as an offensive juggernaut. You know, when you think about those Baker, the Baker Mayfield era in, Oh, you know, he was a Heisman finalist, top five in the Heisman three different times before he won, and, you know, and then won it, of course. This is a program that, and then the next year, Kyler Murray comes in, does the same thing. Sam Bradford, of course, you know, early on, they played for the national title against Florida. He won the Heisman that season as well. Offensively, they've done a lot of things. But when you start thinking about the defenses before Brent um, Venables left to Clemson, you know, you had guys like Gerald McCoy and Tommy Harris and, uh, you know, guys like, well, 
it was just there was a ton of them over and over. Roy Williams, you know, the Superman Roy Williams, you know, they had guys like that, Teddy Lehman. They were doing things on defense. This is what really kind of pushed them over the edge is, yes, they could go out there and, and light up a scoreboard, but they could also shut you down when they needed to, right? That hasn't really been the case since Coach Venables left, and particularly under Lincoln Riley, it continued to kind of go down uh, defensively in the size and also their ability to kind of, you know, make plays or even really stop anybody at all. The biggest, the biggest thing was lack of interior talent, I would say. With you being there in Atlanta, and, and I know you guys pay a lot of attention and cover Georgia quite a bit, What's the biggest thing with that program? It's along that, you know, in the trenches, you know, and that's, and I think you could say the same thing for every big time school in the SEC, right? Uh, if you don't have it going on in the trenches, you don't have it going on. His first two months at the, at the school, Coach Venables and his staff salvaged a top 10 unit. They uh, were able to, in their second recruiting class, picked up, the number one defensive edge rusher in the country, number four overall player in PJ Adebowari out of uh, Kansas City, Missouri, off uh, as well. This season, they're they are in the running for. Let's see, one, two, three, four blue chip defensive line players right now. They've already picked up Jaden Jackson from IMG Academy there uh, down in Florida. And they're, now they did miss out on Williams uh, Winery here the other day. Um, he went to the hometown school in Missouri. Big pickup for them, but, you know, they're still in line for David Stone Jr. He's from Dell City in the area around Oklahoma City. Um, he's also an IMG Academy guy. Jaden Jackson is his, is his line mate there um, down at, at, at IMG. You also have guys like Nigel Smith. Uh, you know, there's... Danny Okoye, who's another Oklahoma product who is is getting a lot of love right now from a lot of schools. Uh, even guys like McK uh, David McKinley from down at, around LSU. When you're when you're a Louisiana kid, you're not really supposed to get out of the state when you're that guy, right? Another five star player. Uh, McKinley looks like it very he very well may end up at Oklahoma or Texas because apparently from what we what we're hearing. Your uh, his the Brian Kelly regime. Somebody upset his mother, and uh, when you you know as well as I do, if Mama's not happy, ain't nobody happy. So apparently, there's there's a really good opportunity for Oklahoma and Texas in that one. Uh, obviously, there's a battle for him, but you know, and and I would say that chances are he could probably end up still staying at LSU, but they got to pull out all the stops uh, to get him. That's for sure. In in any event. The last cycle, they also picked up one of the top safeties in the country in Peyton Bowen. They flipped him from Notre Dame and then eventually uh, Oregon, too. He had uh, initially on signing day chosen Oregon. He didn't end up sending in his paperwork or it didn't get there somehow. By the next morning, he had chosen OU. He is there and possibly <laughs> may end up being um, a big-time he may he may end up being a big contributor in his first season if we looks anything like what he did during the spring, which everything all indications are that he has. One of the biggest pickups, though, I think, has been through the the transfer portal. Uh, you know, they went in and, <clears throat> and got freshman All American Desan McCullough, 
defensive end edge rush guy who's also playing a little bit of outside linebacker that cheetah position that if you know anything about the venables defenses uh the cheetah position has kind of been that that position that his is his calling card um if you look back on his career there at <clears throat> clemson you know obviously 2012 his first year that their total defensive rank was right around number 60 in the country after that they went to 25, then number one, then 10, eight, four, five, six. They dropped to 15 in 2020, and then they were back in the top 10 again in 2021. Their scoring defense was number one uh, or in the top three five different times during this 10 there. Their third down defensive ranks, you know, was in the top 10. Let's see, six, or yeah, definitely in the top 10. All but all but two years that they were there, third down defensive rank. You know, this is this is something that they know how to do there. Now, obviously, in, in year one, that wasn't the case. When Lincoln Riley left, 13 guys from the depth chart on the on a defense that really wasn't very good anyway was gone, along with those two five-star quarterbacks that we all know about, and Caleb Williams, the eventual Heisman Trophy winner from a year ago, and Spencer Rattler, who is now quarterback at South Carolina. You know, but that defense was in total defense, they were ranked somewhere near 122nd in the country out of 131 teams. That's not what you would expect out of a Brent Venables team. But if you know anything about the system that he runs, it's pretty exotic and it's, you know, it is dependent on them being in the right spots and knowing where to go, you know, depending on hitting the right gaps, having having a lot of discipline in their assignments. There were a lot of games. If you look at last season, that six and seven record, five of those losses ended up being um, by seven points or less. And they kept, in fact, four of them were by three points. There were a lot of little things that could have changed things. The offense was still re- very good. Uh, Dylan Gabriel came in, transfer from UCF, you know, came in and, and did a pretty good job leading them to a top 15 overall ranking in the country on offense with Jeff Levy as the offensive coordinator. They they are going to do a great job running the football. They're going to continue to do that even after Eric Gray went to the draft this past season. You've got uh, Gavin Sawchuk, uh, a sophomore, and then also, let's see, with the running backs here, I'm on my depth chart here. You've got Javante Barnes and Gavin Sawchuk are expected to be the top two running backs. But this is one of the deepest uh, running back rooms in the country as well. You've got Tawi Walker, who's a junior, who's looked really good in the spring and early part of the fall as well. Marcus Majors is a guy that has struggled to kind of stay healthy throughout most of his career at Oklahoma. But he is he's a guy that when he is available and he's drawn comparisons to guys, and this is a big comparison, but he's drawn comparisons athletically to Adrian Peterson. Uh, if he can stay healthy, that's a that's a big time. That's a big time uh, running back room. That's not even including the guys that they had come in in this recruiting class. You had, uh, let's see, uh, Daylon Smothers from North Carolina. They call him Hollywood. He's been one of the top. Uh, he was one of the top running backs in the country this past cycle. You also had um, Hicks out of uh, Denton, Denton Ryan. Um, these guys stand to really 
probably get some playing time as well. This is a deep, this is a deep unit. And then they have their, you know, right now they have a commitment from the number one running back in the country, Taylor Tatum, who they beat out Lincoln Riley in USC to get. Um, things are going really well. You will have a second season under uh under the leadership of Dylan Gabriel, but they have one of the top well, he was the Gatorade National Player of the Year uh in as a fresh, you know, in their freshman Jackson Arnold at quarterback as well. So uh if if there was another injury as you saw this past season, Dylan Gabriel missed two games with the concussion or the better part of two games. He got a concussion in the TCU game, missed the Red River game, which they obviously got blown away in. Their depth at at quarterback was was really hurt. Dylan Gabriel's looked really good throughout the spring and the summer. Uh, you know, and he's coming in looking in He's he's been around Coach Levy for quite a while, so we they're expecting big things out of them. Um, I would suspect that you're probably going to see Jackson Arnold in some games as well, though. Uh, so you know, so they can get ready for their first year in the SEC in 2024. Talk about that defensive side of the ball. This is an Oklahoma <laughs> defense that we don't see in the past. Last year, the Sooners gave up 30 points a game. Yeah. They gave up 187 yards rushing. They gave up 273 in the air, 461 total yards. That doesn't come from an Oklahoma defensive football team, not on the Brent Venables who had success at Clemson. But when I look at the key stat from Oklahoma defense last year, as you mentioned a few seconds ago, you said Oklahoma had talent. Last year, their defense had 104 tackles for loss. So how does that end up they give up 30 points a game? But they had 104 tackles for losses. Yeah, I would just say, I mean, you know, as I kind of told you, it they actually had the leading tackler in the in the conference, and you know, it, it's the it's the weirdest thing, but they did. They had the the leading tackle tackler in the conference in Danny Stutzman, right? But they also missed a lot of assignments. If you and you can go back and and see different times of different games that you saw it. Third down was a was a real problem for them uh, this past season. I mean, when you look back at the K State loss, they another one of those three point losses. They had they had third and twenty six, I believe, in that game. They were going to get off the field. They had just come back to get within seven points. Uh, had marched right down the field. They give up the first down on a on a quarterback sneak run. You know, I mean, he got flushed out of the pocket. He gets out of there. So they missed a lot of tackles in in key situations. Um, it was just, and again, it was a lot of, a lot of things that you saw, and this is something that you don't see a ton of from Brent Venable's defenses, but it was, it, it was kind of indicative of what you were seeing from the past regime of just, you know, what they called speed D or what they continue to call speed D within that, uh, Alex Grinch defense there. That's now at USC with Lincoln Riley. It, it's just a, you know, go to the ball. They, they, they rely on speed, not a bunch of size, but also there's not, you don't have to be, you don't have to be disciplined in your assignments, you know, because you don't really have a lot of assignments. So it was hard to kind of get some of these guys at times to stay disciplined in where they're supposed to be. As I said, that, you know, losing that, that K-State game, they end up scoring right after that. Gabriel takes Oklahoma right down the field right away and they score, but it just, just it was too little too late, you know? towards the end of that game. The Baylor game, you know, they have right down near the goal line uh, at the end of the game, they've got the play right. 
they end up with two guys in the same gap, you know, and you get the Baylor running back scoring the, the winning touchdown there. Same thing kind of deal. You you saw it over and over again. Same thing against West Virginia. You know, they had some penalties that hurt them a lot, both offensively and defensively. You know, uh, third down, fourth down penalties that gave first downs, things like that. There was little little things that happened like that throughout the season. As much as you would want to say that that's all on the defense, I think part of that has to go to the offense as well, though. There were times that they didn't capitalize on big-time throws. You have open receivers, you get dropped footballs, or you get Dylan Gabriel missing them. You know, uh, It's understandable that they're not going to hit every target, but sometimes you have to you know, uh, it's it's important that K State game. You know, there were a couple of wide open receivers that they just he just didn't hit on third and fourth down. So that would also help out your defense a little bit if they're not on the field as much. Because there was also times that you know they would they wouldn't run out a lot of clock and they would immediately you know go three and out. You know, it's a quick strike offense. So I know that a lot of times people want to see them slow down a little bit, stuff like that. You don't really do that when you're one of those up-tempo offenses. You know, you have to kind of stick with your tempo. What you have to make sure that you do is not go three and out all the time. So as much as you want to kind of put it off on all the defense, which, you know, it's, you know, what which comes first, the chicken or the kind of thing, right, Vincent? You, you got to have both. You know, they kind of have to play complementary football. And I don't think that that was – something that they did very well. But as I said, you lost 13 guys off of that defensive depth chart, off of a defense that really wasn't that great, you know, the year before. So, and it really just hadn't been since Coach Venables left. So, honestly, and even in his last season, you know, there were some things that were going on that it wasn't doing great then either. Uh, you know, they, they kind of suffered in that last season uh, under with, with Venables there. Once... Coach Stoops brought back his brother, Mike, who had lost his job as head coach there at Arizona. Uh, he brought him back as co-coordinator and Venables left to Clemson from there. I think that I think that it probably helped him a bit in his career because he was able to open up some recruiting pipelines that I, it looks like have done very well. Uh, as I said, you know, they, they ended up recruiting in the top five in the country, even going six and seven bringing in guys like Adebowari, Peyton Bowen. You bring in Desan McCullough. His little brother is also – Day McCullough is also part of that defense. They got Kendall Doby from the JUCO ranks, who is was the number one uh, defensive back in the country in the JUCO. Um, you know, they they also got guys like Makari Vickers and Lewis Carter. You know, Lewis, both of these guys are Florida kids, uh, high four-star top 100 players. They both uh, played in All-American games in, uh, in their senior year in high school, showed out both of them. Um, you know, there's a lot of really good talent that, that they picked up through recruiting and through the transfer portal. Uh, you probably know of Rondell Bothroyd, Wake Forest uh, defensive end. He's part of this that portal class. You've got Devon Sears coming in from Texas State, big, big, big on that defensive line position. Uh, one of the things I would say, and this is something that they brought up, you know, in the past few weeks is when Coach Venables got there, there was one guy that was over 300 pounds. They now have six guys that are over 300 pounds. You know, um, again, it's important to have big boys in the trenches if you're going to play at the level that Oklahoma wants to play at. And that's something that along with that, the, the secondary is really good. You know, they got Reggie Pearson from Texas Tech. 
he was a big hitter. He laid some wood in that game against Oklahoma last year where he almost knocked Dylan Gabriel out of the game again towards the end of that one in overtime. Um, he uh, he hit Eric Gray so hard, you know, I don't – it didn't seem like he wanted the football anymore after that, you know. Um, the guy could bring it, and he's been on a number two defense in the nation when he was at Wisconsin. He's come in and said on uh, one of our other uh, – one of my friends' podcasts uh, that, that covers OU a lot – he said that this defense now has more talent on it uh, than than it, they had there at Wisconsin when they were number two in the country. That's saying something, you know. And this is from a guy that's you know kind of been around the block, you know, and he's now a super senior himself. I expect that they're going to be night and day different, and that's really what it's going to take, you know, for them to take that next step. I think. Overall, the final question of the day: Do we see the Oklahoma Sooners going? back to being the Oklahoma Sooners of the 70s, the 80s, the 90s, the 2000s. Do they rebuild Do they rebuild in their final year in the Big 12 before they come into the SEC in 2024? Yeah, that's the goal. And I, and from what I can tell, I mean, if you look at if you look from top to bottom here, you've got uh you know, a redshirt senior and Woody Woody uh Woody Washington out of Tennessee. This is a, an amazing defensive back. Their secondary is really good. One of the biggest issues you saw a year ago was just an inability to put pressure on the quarterback, which I don't care how good your secondary is, you're you're going to struggle there if you can't get consistent pressure. They've really made a consistent effort to make sure that they can do that this season. They At all three levels, this looks like an improved defense. If they're able to do that, and, and along with, they've got, I mean, if you've looked at their schedule, it's... It's definitely not the toughest one. Three of their losses from a year ago, they don't even play. Kansas State has beaten Oklahoma three out of the last four seasons. They're not on their regular season schedule. Okay, Texas Tech, who beat them in that overtime game to finish off the regular season, they're not on their schedule either. Baylor's beaten them two years in a row. They're not on their schedule either. They do have tough games. Obviously, the Red River game, you expect that Texas should be uh, – and, and, they definitely have the most depth in the conference on their on that in that program. Um, there, that's the only game that they're not favored in, though, for the entirety of the season. They're they're Vegas has them uh, the over under at nine and a half for Oklahoma. I think that with this schedule, you should expect that. You know, their their toughest road game will be the BYU game. That's one of only three times that they even have to leave the state of Oklahoma. You know, um, throughout, you know, they're going to go to Cincinnati. They're going to go to BYU. And then, of course, they got the the Red River game uh, there in Dallas, which is kind of Oklahoma South. Uh, So, you know, they they it's almost a home game for them as well. So, again, yeah, I think that they should be in the conference championship game. Now, whether or not they win it or not, we're going to find out what Texas is all about. They are loaded. Uh, They're loaded at quarterback. They continue to be loaded at running back, and they may have the best offensive line in the league. Um, the one thing that they they also have, though, that that makes you wonder whether they'll get it done or not is Steve Sarkeesian, who he has the nickname Seven Game Sark for a reason, or Seven Win Sark for a reason. He's never won ten games in a year. He's only won nine once. 
if they can, you know, I could definitely see a situation, even if they were to lose the Red River game again to them, where they meet up again in that in that championship game. Um, you know, whether that happens or not, we're going to find out. But Oklahoma probably has the cleanest path to that championship game out of the out of the two programs. So uh, I could definitely see them ending up playing for it. And then, you know, going into the SEC, you know, we're going to find out. He has to continue. I think that that's also the next step in being able to recruit for this for this program as well. I, I felt like last year when they going six and seven and being that bad on defense might have been the reason that they were able to get some of these young, amazing players to commit and sign with OU because they kind of figured they were going to come in and get an opportunity to play right away. I, I think that some of the guys that they're that they're trying to get now, it may it may hinge on whether or not they are able to kind of put it together, not lose those one score games like you saw this past season and get to ten or eleven wins, which I think that they should be able to do with the schedule. I believe that they will. Uh, we'll definitely find out. But um, uh, the schedule looks like I mean you know if you look at the over unders for all their opponents, the highest over under is at like seven and a half and that's tcu so you know i uh i suspect that they should be able to do it pending you know notwithstanding getting a bunch of injuries or something like that but at least and they even have depth in the in the quarterback room that they didn't have a year ago too so if you can if you can keep from having a ton of injuries play better defense and i I feel like if they're even in that top 40 or 50 in the country defensively in most of their rankings total defense they would probably put them in the championship game for the Big 12. And it'd be headed towards better things in the future as well. Okay, I'd like to say thank you today, Mr. Jason Watkins, as he broke down the Boomer Sooner, Oklahoma Sooners. If you like the video, please come in and share. We surely appreciate here one of y'all's football. Special thanks to our producer today who made it happen, Mr. Logan Landers. My final words about the Oklahoma Sooners. I think Brent Venables is a hell of a football coach. I saw what he did at Clemson. So when you think about Oklahoma, you got to think about this a little bit. Ralph Neely, 1964. Greg Pruitt, Lucy Salmon, Dewey Salmon, Joe Washington, Randy Hughes, Leroy Salmon, George Crumley, Reggie Kinlaw, Billy Sims, David Overstreet, San Antonio Finest, Thomas Lott, Tony Casillas, Brian Bosworth, Keith Jackson, Dante Jones, Ricky Dixon, Roy Williams, Darlin Moore, Kevin Murphy, Jimbo Elrod, Boomer, Suna. Y'all have a nice week here on 100 Yards of Football. Thank you, Mr. Jason Watkins. Y'all be blessed today. Thank you, Vincent. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.